as long as you can hear me okay through the uh, microphone that's on my yeah. computer. Oh, I can hear you perfectly right now. So oh, yeah. I'll, try not, I'll try not to change my voice too much then. Yeah. So I hope your housekeeper's okay. Do you have those alarm systems um, uh, on property? Actually, uh, actually I just uh, ordered the, uh, it's a beta test from a company that's giving them to me, but I haven't put them in yet. I, I started beta test, actually what's called an alpha test. Yeah. Which is where you take a small sample, see how they work, go back and fix it, do a beta test where it's actually working, but you still want feedback to the company, and then you actually acquire. So I'm in the process of getting that. She is actually not, she's not good or bad. She came into work today, but she's, uh, we're going to talk to her this afternoon about yeah. working with another housekeeper until she's comfortable working alone again. Yeah, that's scary. However, that may may take her. Yeah, she was really was a very, very, very freaked out. As so, right and rightfully so too, because that's I not sent, that's sent not her easy. home with pay. But, <laughs> uh, but Good she's, for you. She's, she's not comfortable yet, but no. we'll get her comfortable. We'll just put her with a teammate, and they'll clean the rooms in half the time with two people or whatever time it takes until she's comfortable. Yeah, I always say housekeeping is already the hardest job in a hotel. Um, it is the hardest job. I st I lasted six months when I got into the hospitality industry, yep. and I <laughs> six months as a house bowed out. Yes, I bowed out. I, I was I, like, I, I tell you what, I did not last quite that long as a dishwasher. That's hard too. But uh, you know, I did uh, get promoted to busboy and waiter eventually. Wow! And that's what kept me in the business. So now, now I'm Yay. I'm, I'm head I waiter. I love these now. stories. Yeah. All right. So it's 12.01. Uh, we have people in right now. And as, as I mentioned, people will be trickling in. Out. Um, so I'm going to start it off and just say hello to everyone. Um, this is, we're doing Hotel Talk, which uh, is a weekly call that we do to kind of bringing in some subject matter experts from the hospitality industry. Um, this started out with just a small group. I think it was like three of us. <laughs> and it was requested um, that we have more speakers and more people who can speak to, you know, what are you seeing in the world of hospitality uh, today and what do you see in the future? So I'm Jennifer Susky. Hi, everyone who doesn't know me. Um, Senior Director of Sales for Go Moments. With me, I have Robert Rausch, uh, CEO of, I'm saying RAR Hospitality. So I just like RAR, like the dinosaur, RAR. Yes. Um, <laughs> Robert's been in the hospitality industry for over 46 years. And that's what we were just talking about. You started as a dishwasher with Hilton. I started as a housekeeper, well, with Best Western, then quickly jumped to Hilton. So we have that going for us. So that's amazing. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Well, I, I'm now head busboy instead of dishwasher, so I'm prepared <laughs> to speak intelligently on the subject of uh, meetings and events and anything in the hospitality industry. I'm happy to, what I thought I would do is spend a few minutes talking about some changes that are occurring in the meeting and event business, but also uh, to provide you with any background, I am currently an owner operator. I sold RAR Hospitality to Hostmark. So I'm still affiliated with Hostmark, the company that acquired my management company. And together we have 39 hotels now. They're Chicago-based, we're San Diego-based. We kept our San Diego office where I'll be headed to after this Zoom call. And uh, other than that, I also teach entrepreneurship at Arizona State University Online. And I'm on the board of uh, numerous organizations, including for those of you who are women, and I, I can't 
uh, I don't see any names, so I don't know, but uh, Women in Tourism and Hospitality, I'm on their board of directors. They are San Diego-based, uh, global, uh, all-woman organization, plus Bob. And actually, Bob. Two, there are two board members, myself and one other gentleman, and the rest are uh, definitely ladies. And uh, I've, I've taken uh, a few under my wing as a mentor, and mentoring and teaching is part of what I do. Right now, I'm training a general manager who was my assistant GM because my general manager is on disability for a couple of our, uh, one of our Hilton campuses. We have a Homewood and a Hilton Garden Inn. So uh, I will start with the meetings and events. I'll answer any question on any subject that's legal and reasonable. Uh, I think Jennifer asked me to start with small meetings and mid-sized meetings and large meetings. And I'll, I'll tell you the way I look at it is 50 people or less is small meetings, 50 to 500 is probably medium size and maybe 500 to 5,000 or more could be considered large meetings. And those meetings have been on hold for a long time. And depending on what state you're in, they may continue to be on hold. I think the small meetings will come back this fall. And, uh, that, and that's great news for small properties, but for the large hotels that really need uh, room blocks and meeting space and are 35% or more group oriented, it's gonna be a long haul maybe 12 to 18 months. I sat in on a call with uh, Adam Sachs of Tourism Economics and he gave a forecast of the industry, sharing with us that uh, possibly it could be late February or March before the full meetings uh, or larger meetings come back, that corporate travel is definitely not back. If it does come back, it'll come back maybe a little bit in September. So leisure is gonna have to hold us together. And as most of you know, that will go away, even if, even if students don't go back to school, they're gonna go back to learning sometime in late August or mid-August. So we only have another four weeks left of whatever leisure demand you have in your market, if you're not in a drive-to market, it's gonna to be tough uh, haul all the way through. Uh, what will meetings entail in the future? Well, for one, I don't think there'll be any lines. When we do finally have meetings, and we will have some, they're going to start out, I think, being hybrid, where there'll be a partial uh, electronic or Zoom factor and, and partial in-person. The first one I know that's in-person, but also has a, I'll call it a Zoom factor because it could be a go-to meeting or another competitor. Mm -hmm. The hotel data conference in Nashville in August, I believe, will be a hybrid conference. The lodging conference in Phoenix at the end of September is still slated to be an in-person, down from 2,000 people to 600 if Arizona and and the attendees and speakers allow for it. I, I just talked two days ago. So how ago. does the hybrid conference even work? So what does the it mean by that? Well, they'll have, they'll have on a large screen, they'll have all the people who are not there. Okay. And we did that at Arizona State University because we had our graduation was partially in person. We had all the, uh, the faculty and staff uh, partially in person but everybody else was on the screen. All, you know, myself as faculty, I was not, because I'm in San Diego teaching in Phoenix. So I was not live in person, but I was on the screen along with my students who were graduating. And we did a graduation online from my college, not from the entire university. I, didn't, I don't know how that worked, because that's yeah. thousands of people. This was, this was hundreds. So it, it works well. So what will happen, I think, with these events is everybody will be sent a badge. And they'll have a welcome kit, which will include the conference agenda, perhaps one or two masks to get people started. The masks will be available 
on request. N95 masks will probably be available on request. And the welcome kit may include wipes and sanitizer. Little, see if I have one handy. Uh, oh, I have it in my pocket. I always, <laughs> I always keep one of these things. You're so prepared. <laughs> so one of these uh, sanitizing gels, this one's from Scripps, one of our clients. This is so, a great marketing opportunity. Absolutely, Here we go. Absolutely. Here we go. And all the employees will be, uh, or team members or associates, whatever you want to call them, will have gloves uh, as appropriate. And uh, I do think we'll have a couple of things that are unique. I think for those of you who have not seen disinfectant electrostatic sprayers, Mm-hmm. And those who have not seen disinfectant robots, going to ask you about that. I think they'll be in play uh, at these events to show how uh, disinfected and sanitized the environment is. I think that's going to be critical, and it'll all be hospital grade cleaning. Supplies. You mentioned the, the the robots before. Have you seen one of these? Sure. That I'm right now. I've got companies trying to sell them to me because they know I'm a uh, a robot freak. I have I've had a robot for over three years at one of our Marriott properties. And the robot is a service robot. And so we do a service to the room. So it's a contactless robot. All you have to do actually is the robot uh, has a cavity where we put Mm -hmm. product. The product can be beers. It can be food. It can be towels and sheets. It could be, well, not sheets. We haven't done sheets too much, but anyway, pillows we've done. So you stick in the cavity, whatever we're sending up to the guest, and the guest and, and the robot navigates the Wi-Fi system through the elevator to the room, calls the room, and the delivery is made. Contactless and, of course, no tipping. The robot, could, I guess in theory, the robot could accept tips. Don't know that he, and I say he because my staff of mostly women uh-huh. did to call him Hubert. Him, Hubert. Even though I, I think he's non-binary, but in any case. I've heard often that with those types of robots, they can rate the service as well on the screen. One they to can. five. One so to that's five. His tip. And, and if you give him five, if you give him a five out of five, he does a little uh, shimmy or dance. Now, I can't mimic his shimmy or dance, but it's sort of like, <laughs> but he makes noises when he does that, you know. That's awesome. I don't think I would do the dance. Which Marriott is this? This is the Fairfield Inn Suites in San Marcos, which is a San Diego suburb. Okay, well, I know where I'm going, so I need to hang out with uh, Hubert. Okay, yeah, Hubert's yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to, happy to send you some photos later, Jennifer. Yes, so, please. Uh, the only other things about these uh, events, I think to sell the events, like pre-event, I think you're, you're going to see a lot of diagramming software, whether somebody uses uh, C-Vents uh, social tables, which is what we use, or some competitor. I think the diagramming is going to be critical because people are going to want to know how distanced am I? Mm-hmm. How is the room set up exactly? What is it going to look like? Am I really going to be safe? So I think if you have all these things in play, and then on the food and beverage side, if you've got a delivery system where it's contactless, where they, they're picking up either pre-made drinks or uh, pre-boxed food, and I haven't figured out wine yet because I really don't like the, so far, the, the cheap wine that's available that way in single <laughs> servings is not quite it. They have canned wine at Trader Joe's. We'll just use that. Yeah, well, that's about as good as it gets as of today. But I'm working on uh, finding something better. But even I have a question not- about the diagrams, though. So uh, one yes. thing that I've noticed, not just in hotels and meeting yeah. space, but also in restaurants and pretty much everywhere, is that we do, like, they're doing the best they can to social distance us, but there's always these choke points 
of like there's one entrance and one exit or sometimes the entrance and exits the same door so i mean like do you yeah. wait are you talking about at, at a banquet per se or, any, or anywhere yeah so, so with banquets i've heard they're gonna have a one-way flow uh, this is where you enter, this is where you exit, and then hopefully keeping people distance in a line, I guess. Uh, I think so, Jennifer. I think what, what will happen, and if you've been to a golf course, what they do when you check in at the pro shop, there's a, there are arrows for you to check in and arrows for you then to go out to the golf course, and you can't walk past the people who are online uh, to check in. So I think it'll be the same. Uh, I think we are going to be required, uh, possibly by law, if not guidance, to keep people six feet apart. And, and I think it's possible. I mean, it's been done, it's being done now, and it can be done for large events. It is very difficult as you get to larger and larger events, yeah. and, and we're gonna have to adapt. Well, there's also this difficulty that I'm finding as I'm, I'm like hearing from people and, um, you know, policing these things. So you have the people of the world who refuse to wear the masks. And then you have the people of the world who wear the masks underneath like this under their nose, which is useless. Just take it off. It's like my biggest pet peeve right now. It's like, so, you know, if you go to Costco or something like that, they require the mask, they hand them to you at the door, but then they don't make sure you're actually wearing them or wearing them properly. So um, have you uh, run into any of this? Have you heard anything like about this? Are they like, how do you do it in the most hospitable way possible to say, put your mask on or get out? Yeah, well, it's a good point. And we had a guest who didn't want, did not want to put his mask on in the lobby of a hotel where I was standing at the same time. And I came over to him and I talked to him and I said, look, I understand that you don't want to wear a mask, but you're making our other guests uncomfortable. And so all I ask you to do is to put it on while you're in the public areas, mm -hmm. do whatever you want when you get outdoors, do whatever you want in your room. It's your life. I'm not looking to do anything to you to uh, harm your ability to control your own destiny, but you are affecting others. And so I would appreciate it. Now, if he had said no, I'd say, well, I, I would have to ask you to leave because it's not because we're in California, because it's, it's actually not against the law for me as a hotel owner to not enforce it. It's against the law for them to not wear it now. And that's only in California and other states that have that mandate. But I think you'll find that if you talk to people, they may not like it, but they'll put it, they'll put it on and they'll cover up properly. And, you know, heck, a bandana, one of those uh, bandanas do not cover everything quite as well. And there's still... They're not certainly not, not N95 masks, but anything that covers the nose and the mouth thoroughly and tightly is adequate. I saw somebody who put two rubber bands around a pair of so two pairs of socks, like a, a pair of socks, two socks, rubber bands on the end, and put it over their head. I saw that recently. Uh, I was like, uh, I was like, hey, you're covered. Like, I'm okay. fine. <laughs> so, so to add to add 30 seconds of levity, I, I went into a store and I I had forgotten my mask in in my car. So yeah. I looked back in my car, and it was actually my daughter's car that I was using, and she had a sock. It was probably <gasps> a dirty sock, but I oh took God. the sock, wrapped it around my nose and mouth, and tied it in the back. It was tight as can be. Really, it actually hurt, but I went into the store with it, and, and it actually looked pretty good. So even socks work. You are a meme somewhere. I just want you to know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that well, now, did I answer your last question? I think yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you all you, you can do is the best you can and to, as you would do with any other situation in the hospitality world, present it nicely or give them the option of leaving. But back to your designated entrance thing, I think you're, yeah. you're 
going to have uh, designated entrances to ballrooms, to meeting space areas. Everything will be just for the guests of that event so as to not interfere with other hotel guests or restaurant guests. I think you'll have to almost have to have separate entrances for everything. You know, big hotels allow you to walk through the lobby if you're an event guest. I don't think I don't think we're going to do that. Even smaller hotels. I mean, most of the hotels I've worked at were under 300 rooms. Right. And the uh, meeting guests, we, we would have, uh, you know, hotels, we have like 100 doors on the first floor. <laughs> so, but the, everyone like files in through the front doors because that's what you're used to doing. And also most times those other doors are locked. So do you think that they're going to like hire somebody, like an attendant of some sort? Well, yeah, to be handing out masks no, and stuff exactly anyway. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's, okay. it, it is labor intensive. It's going to cost us more money to do everything. The sanitization mm. process coupled with the labor costs are going to go up. And yeah. margins are going to go down because we're not going to be able to drive rate because everybody needs business in the first 12 to 18 months back through this uh, significantly severe recession for those who don't know that. So uh, it's, it's going to be uh, tough for a while. Uh, profits are not going to be there as an owner. I anticipate zero profits through the end of 2021. That hurts my soul a little bit. Yeah, that hurts. Okay, a sorry. Lot. I know, but it's just, it's, it's uh, who, who do you think is impacted more though? Um, I am really, so I was just having this conversation and I do believe that the uh, more luxury brands are going to be higher, like more affected by this. The economy brands seem to be, I mean, they're still hurting of course, yeah. but they seem to be closing less and uh, talking less about reopening because they never closed. Well, I was trying to evoke some sympathy for the hotel owner who no matter oh. what class of hotel he or she is in, oh. is not going to make money for another 18 months and has lost money the last uh, two quarters. So I, I'm, well, not, I'm not looking for empathy or sympathy. But I think all hotel owners are very unhappy right now. I, I, I would think so. Uh, yeah, regardless of which yeah. which brand they're at, which. Uh, but which... you know, I'm on I'm on some hospitality boards with um, I say employees because one of them responded to me saying I didn't know we had any owners on this site. Well, I consider myself an operator as well as an owner, so mm -hmm. I consider myself part of the hotel employee community as well, and uh, they are definitely concerned about jobs. I mean, yeah. Everybody should be concerned about this. Nobody should be really pleased with the shutdowns because they're not necessarily significantly reducing the uh, spread of COVID. So what we need to do is teach our uh, politicians that we're, we're doing everything right. We're making sure our guests are uh, using uh, distancing masks and doing everything right and we are sanitizing our properties and we're not the ones spreading COVID. Well exactly and they are I've I mean a lot of areas I believe have considered hotels to be essential. Um, well they are in the state of California yeah. considered as essential workers. We, we had to drive around with documents when they shut down the roads and said if you're not an essential worker you can, you can do prison time so you know, we that's, had to have a letter for every employee. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but also I also read, was reading this article. I need to like sort, like cite my sources here. I know, but <laughs> that staying in a hotel for people who are nervous about traveling is actually sometimes safer, uh, just because of the frequency that those rooms are cleaned and those services are cleaned. So I thought that was interesting as long as you, you know, reduce the contact at those choke points, which, you know, being at the entrance and exits and elevators and stuff like that, then, mm -hmm. I mean, it should still be okay to go and safe as long as you're careful. 
I think more safe than most businesses by a wide margin. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I know one question that we got uh, that somebody wrote in about was creative ways that hotels are uh, marketing the use of meeting space instead of the standard meeting room. So I know that some of the hotels are using their their sleeping rooms as uh, remote workspaces, and that's how they're selling that, or day use, things like that. Okay, but I mean, that's not going to impact meetings. Well, I mean... The meeting space itself. Like, do you know of anything different or unique that you've heard of that they're doing with the meeting space? No is an okay answer here, too. <laughs> no, I, I, think, uh, I think, you know, the most unique thing that I saw was the Limeridian in St. Louis, where they're uh, luring people in using distancing, but they're, they're creating a, uh, a giving program. And Jennifer, you and I talked about this mm -hmm. where and the one that I did most recently is where we, uh, we made a, a thousand peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the uh, poor and uh, using gloves. It was completely contactless and we were able to donate uh, a bunch of food yeah, that was nutritious for uh, people in need. And so uh, that was one thing that they did. Another thing they did was to create games where there was a contactless and that, to be honest, I, I don't know what kind of games they did, but they were talking about uh, giving, they were talking about games. They, they mentioned also education where they had how to make drinks. Mm -hmm. A lot of people today, uh, especially those who are not millennials, these millennials seem to be really good at making drinks. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I, I, my two daughters are very good at it. And, and I was a bartender, so I can make drinks. But, but uh, people like to learn how to make drinks properly. And so it's a good, fun education. And uh, I would do the same thing and have done the same thing with both uh, beer tastings, wine tastings, and I've also added in chocolate tastings. And I've combined those oftentimes, chocolate and beer, chocolate and wine. I mean, they go perfectly together. Why wouldn't you? I think so. Absolutely. I like that. I like I that a lot. I have the chocolate um, every night. As you should. Yes. I do too. I don't know if I stop at one, but I definitely eat chocolate every day. So, <laughs> so I like the I like the idea of uh, giving back to the community as well because I think that people are more um, looking for that type of experience moving like even before COVID and all of that. Right. We don't have to talk about that with that, but it's it's the same thing and. Um, so people getting created with that, we did, like Hilton did the Clean the World campaign. We did a whole like chain of people creating uh, hygiene bags. So being able to do stuff like that is awesome and it gives back. But how we can do that while social distancing, right? toss it down the table. I don't know what that looks like. But making sandwiches, what did that look like? Like, well, were you just at a, your own station? Yeah, it was a, an assembly line. We were all uh, distanced, but mm -hmm. we at the end of the assembly line, they collected the sandwiches. That that was really not a problem. I think that's a, a good idea that works and certainly not the only idea that works. One thing that, that you can do though, and this, of course, I wanna make sure I answered the question because I don't know of anybody using meeting space for alternative uses yet. Okay. I mean, I do, I have been housing religious organizations until the governor shut it down, uh, where, where most religious organizations cannot afford a hotel ballroom. Right. But because my ballroom was empty, I gave them a low enough rate where I was able to hold their religious services until the governor shut it down. So, and our governor shuts down a lot of things. <laughs> Interestingly, he used my hotel uh, and when he was campaigning for office. And he, he told me that he was going to look me up if he didn't win the election, but he won the election. So 
he, he should have still looked you up. <laughs> he, he was going to look me up. To, he said, I want a job if I, if I lose the election. But, oh uh, but Gavin Newsom, he's a tough governor, and he shut us down. And so we can't have religious services there at all now. But it is going to come back. Yeah, and, everything's going to come back. That's the thing. The things, yeah, so Jennifer, one of the things you and I talked about, I believe, was mm -hmm. uh, the chains or the brands are coming out with programs. Hilton has their event ready and the event ready concept's simple. It's contactless. So all the door plugs, so you don't have to pull a handle. Everything is done in a contactless fashion. So uh, it is possible to do. It costs a little bit of money to do, but Hilton's event ready, and it's going to be largely for the full service hotels initially. I don't think they'll get to like my Homewood Suites, my Hilton Garden Inn, maybe we'll see. Mm -hmm. But I think every, every brand is going to have their own version the brands that, that have meeting space going to have their own version of that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about things like, so you talk about the contact list with Hilton. Um, and so you have the brand that's able to kind of trickle these things down to these hotels, but what about the independents? Cause I know that, you know, there are, you have some independent hotels as well. Are they looking at the, right. how are they able to, I guess, take advantage of that contact list or are you seeing them trying to also go in that direction or is it yeah, more of the, the brands? Well, the problem with my uh, independent properties is they're in California and mm -hmm. the laws are so tight here that they can, we've got our hands tied here. So we can't have, indoor restaurants here. We can't have meetings of any kind here. There are no personal services available. So you can't get haircuts, massages, and things like that. So you can't, it's even hard to package, you know, like a spa because the spas are closed. And so it is a challenge for us. So what about the restaurant? So you can be, you can still have your hotel open. So what if you had things that they were able to pre-order before they got to the hotel to be waiting in the room? Things uh, like the drinks from yes. the bar. Yeah. So and, we, yeah. right. No, great. We can we can have to go food, and we do. Yeah. So well, they can eat in the room. They can eat outdoors. We've taken uh, areas that were not designed to be dining rooms, and we've made them outdoor dining rooms. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's not that easy because we don't have that many tables we can fit outdoors, and otherwise we have to Sometimes go to a weather. parking lot. Well, going into a parking lot, and it's not like it's a nice parking lot. It's just a surface parking lot striped and in a community. So it would not be a very nice venue. So we chose to use outdoor spaces that are not parking lots. And so we have a limited seating and, you know, because we have to keep tables apart. So I, I don't know, we, we try to get creative, but uh, keep in mind the guidance changes frequently around here. So you can't put too much money into some idea because the next sure. day, Governor Newsom, and again, this is California, may say, no, that's not going to work. I have a question. So this did come up in one of our other hotel talks, and that was around, like, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, too, uh, more of these uh, digital events and yeah. how a lot of people working from home have a setup like mine, which is obviously not conducive to, like, this big digital event. So, like, I, my Wi-Fi can't handle that. You know what I mean? So um, having the hotels were talking about, like, what if they were able to provide that type of equipment and that space to where they could host that type of event um i mean to your point you don't want to spend all this money on an idea especially well, I, I, if it look, goes I, away. I, I will say this first of all it's going to last a while uh, covid will be with us for a while probably for 12 to 18 months it'll impact meetings so that to have the capacity to be able to do a let's call it a zoom conference if you don't mind i don't want to promote yeah. zoom uh, but if, digital if, event a digital event, we can call it, <laughs> sure. 
Sure. If, if we did that, then you could do a hybrid. And the hybrid does not have to have a lot of people, but it could have your speakers, as an example. And then you could broadcast, if you have the Wi-Fi capacity, you're right, you could broadcast it worldwide. And you could have an event with, in theory, in theory, thousands and thousands of people. Works, but it's yeah. complex. To, you know, you're going to need an AV company. I don't think you'd want to try that on your own. No. I think uh, I think you and I talked about uh, the uh, Lodging Live. Yes. And that event that Raj and I spoke at Yeah. was, uh, I don't know how large it was, but it was certainly hundreds of us online. But I did not put that event together, so I'm not sure exactly what it took. And I have no idea where it was like. So I know that most of the speakers that were remote and this idea would be to get the speakers in the meeting space well, to try I, to sell the space. I think I think that would help because yeah. it, you'd, you'd have some rooms that the speakers and maybe certain select attendees could, or somebody who wanted to travel to the event, as long as it's illegal to do that. And again, it depends on the state you're in and how much risk you want to take because actually it's not law yet. None of this is law. It's all guidance at this point. Yeah. Uh, the governor has never proven, he'll be sued uh, if somebody decides to sue him, and, and he will very soon, because it's guidance. There's, there's no, there is no legal precedent for this, and there's no law that says you can't have a meeting. It's just uh, the guidance says, and, and the guidance is being enforced by the local police department sometimes. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we were trying to think of just because, um, again, the big meetings are going away. So do we contact our travel managers and try to get them to create like smaller meetings, like two smaller meetings and give them the same type of rate? Or do we hope and pray that this all uh, kind of blows over, which to your point, 12 to 18 months. So probably not. Um I'm trying to think of another question. If anyone has any questions, by the way, you can feel free to drop them in the chat. I'm happy to speak to any of those but um you had i know you had a couple about uh we work spaces yeah our planner is more light or less likely to move to i'm sorry to use shared working spaces with event space concepts such as we work um over to just traditional hotels so i think that the fear here is that people are going to you know start utilizing we works and stuff like that instead of having their meetings on property at well I, I will say that because of the office space challenge today because you know the big problem we're talking about groups and meetings today mm -hmm. but the leisure market's the only market that has come back and might have staying power if consumer confidence continues at the level it is and right now it's flattening out it's not improving but if it continues it, it can hold on to a certain level of business, but the corporate world is not back yet. Mm -mm. So that means that office space is not in demand and people are not able to pay their rent. And so the, even the WeWork spaces are having trouble filling their own. So I think that if hotels go into that business at all, or if WeWork goes into the hotel business at all, it, it, there's just not enough demand for everybody right now. The economy is, is not strong at all unemployment is still double digit and not showing signs of, uh, of abating because we are going backwards with the plans to eliminate the elimination or slowing the spread of COVID by opening slowly. Well, now we're closing slowly or quickly. Yeah, closing quickly. 
ish. Yeah, because the cases are spiking um, again. But I think that, well, right now it's all about leisure. So all of those people that <laughs> had to postpone their weddings are now like, let's do this quick before they close everything down again. Well, um, either that or no, a good point where they're putting it off uh, to next summer where they believe everything will be back to normal. They hope, which is sad, you know, like you have to postpone your wedding like that. There are the Zoom weddings. Uh, not to promote yes, Zoom. Yes, there are. But, you know, <laughs> No, I have two. I have uh, a niece and a nephew, both of whom postpone their weddings to next summer. Um, I did have another question about banquet space and how the meal executions are going. You know what I mean? Like, are the buffet is going to go away, or buffets actually they're less gone. contact than <laughs> plated? They're gone. Oh my yeah, gosh! They're gone. We had this whole debate over which was like provided less contact buffet or plated because I guess like I I haven't actually worked in the banquet space but the um the plate itself passes so many hands to be completed so well but they're first of all we're using gloves of course all employees are using gloves and the buffet probably wouldn't be so bad if it weren't for the fact that on the line the guests have to be now six feet apart so is it really worth it to have a line that far apart in a buffet. So what we do is we ask people what they want in advance and pre-plate everything for the guest. So now we're doing this now for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, not banquets. We haven't done right. true banquets yet, but we are not letting a guest touch anything in the buffet. So if there is a line of any kind and it has to be six feet apart, we hand the food. Like I did a, uh, a pancake, uh, July 4th, I cooked pancakes were all 200 of our guests. And they all came online six feet apart. We had a little, you know, a little diagram, put your feet here, mm-hmm. put that on the ground. And I never, stickers. Let, never let the line get very long because I'm very fast with my pancakes. And you know, they cook up pretty quickly. So I was cooking 10 at a time and pounding them out pretty, pretty quickly. But I had a plexiglass uh, structure in front of me and there was enough of a hole for me to hand a plate when I finished it. Mm-hmm. And and that was it. So, but a guest touches nothing, and everything was disposable. All the the plates, the uh, I can't call it silverware, but the f- tableware, cutlery, you can call tableware. it cutlery, call it tableware, flatware. call it whatever you like. It's plastic. But well, that's a question, though. So, I mean, you know, I was all excited. I was like, hey, maybe our carbon fr- fr- footprint's going to go down now that everyone's working from home and nobody's driving to work. The traffic is, there's none, right? There's no traffic. But then I'm all, this is all I'm hearing now. Everything is individually wrapped and yep. there's plastic everywhere. Yep. And yeah, I, I don't think that, I think that um, the climate change has been, uh, the climate change uh, attempt at, at improving uh, the climate science, uh, improving the environment for us here in the United States has taken a step back. I don't know about the rest of the world. I suspect it's the same because we're doing plastic bottles again where we were getting away from that. You know, we had water stations where you could pour your own into your own bottle that was yours. That was a, uh, you know, a permanent bottle as opposed to a a plastic bottle like this. Mm Mm-hmm. Single-use plastic. Badness. Yeah, and now we're back to it. That's sad. But, I mean, it, ha- it is what it is. We need to 
stop having new cases and get the world back traveling again. Okay. I was told, like, this is the summer of road trips. So I was hoping to see occupancy. And it is trending up, but compared to, like, the uh, years past, it's just sad. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually flattened out, though. I mean, last, week, that last week's star report was right about where it was the week before. So it's mm. not, it's no longer continuing to drive upward. It has flattened. And if it continues to flatten, it's only going to last another four weeks before leisure business starts dissipating due to some is back to school, some mm -hmm. is, is back home to homeschool or to, uh, to go to remote learning, but there will be less families traveling. Yeah, that is too bad. Well, I hope that, you know, I hope that things get um, back to normal faster, 12 to 18 months realistic but hopefully we get a vaccine or something to where we can just get back to business as usual that's in, in the chat is there are there any new questions? i know i don't see any new questions in the chat yet so if anyone has any questions for robert or in general if you want to drop them into the chats please do i'll look to see if i have any others here and uh where do you see the future of business travel heading will there be a need for the business transient sales manager? And that's a good question. And the, the answer is yes, but not, not uh, right at the moment. I think starting in September, we'll be able to get in touch with people from the, on the BT side who we can call on. Right now, there's not much we can do. So what we're trying to do is make up for business travel. What can we bring in? that uh, allows us to substitute, and it's leisure business or contract business or government business. Healthcare is, uh, is certainly a business, uh, and it's not, that's not fun to get doctors and nurses who have been working around the clock, and many of them are gonna test positive, but, but that's, that's a uh, source of business. And I, I think starting in September, I'm very hopeful that we'll have enough uh, BT around to hire somebody. Otherwise, it'll be the director of sales will be the admin, the BT person, the group person, the uh, probably digital marketer. Because we just can't afford to have all these people employed right. where revenues are as much as 50 to 60% off or more. Exactly. And that's kind of the conversation I've been having with my clients is that, you know, they furloughed everyone and then there was all this hope that travel was coming back, but they weren't able to hire everyone back yet. Right. Um, and then, you know, now it looks like round two. So it's, it's just unfortunate with that, but there is business out there. And um, to the point of hotel talk, that's kind of how this started um, <laughs> where I emailed everyone out a list of prospecting so tools I, and I was like, let's go. So Jennifer, I've got to stand up to answer the next question because it's uh, uh -oh. of all the books on your books. This is a question. Uh -huh. uh, of all the books on your bookshelf, which one is your favorite? And I, I don't know. I have That's to hard. I mean, I can tell you the one I used the most recently, the laws pertaining to California innkeepers, because I had to evict a guest. And I, that's what I use because it's got all the California laws in it. But it's not my favorite book. That's not your favorite. I'm trying to think like I have no, I don't have, my books are not in here. They're downstairs. <laughs> in my living room. <laughs> All right. So let, tell me um, about it. This is the lean startup. Okay. And, and it's a good primer for anybody who wants to keep working lean because we're going to be working lean. 
Okay. And so, what else? So what is it? What's in it? Tell me about it. Oh, well, I mean, it talks about a startup and how they were able to create innovation and how when you are the person starting up, you do everything. And uh, I think it, take, it allows you to do what we're doing right now, which is to take a hotel that's been decimated as far as revenues, no longer has the employees that it had before. Just as an example, I had at, uh, at our uh, Hilton campus that I'm sitting at right now, I'm inside our Hilton Garden Inn, and oh, wow. okay. is our Homewood Suite. So it's a, like a dual brand campus. Mm -hmm. And we had 85 employees uh, as of March 16th. And then I called every employee in and I had a meeting and I, and I had to do it in English and Spanish because we have some employees who are not fluent in English. And I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I got my point across, which was we are going to have to furlough a number of employees. And unfortunately, I kind of knew it was going to be a lot, not just a number. But we furloughed everybody except for our management team. We kept six managers. And those six managers had to cook, check guests in, do the night audit, you know, work, uh, work the desk 24 hours and uh, serve the food, cook, you know, prepare the food and serve the food, clean the rooms, six people. And, and I joined them. And we did it. But uh, that's how you start up a company. You start up, and the reason I'm mentioning this is because these, this core of six now had to train the people we brought back in a post-COVID world, which means new sanitization techniques, some required by Hilton, some we did on our own. And training them, when you have top management training line employees, the training goes better. So the Lean Startup doesn't talk about the four-step training method because it doesn't they don't employ in the technology sector, which is where that book is from, mm -hmm. doesn't employ the kinds of line employees at $15 an hour like we do. But it eliminates what this lean startup does. It eliminates middle management completely. It, it's basically a startup and the person who's starting up the company stays in the weeds all the way through. So I'm staying in the weeds now. Like uh, I, I don't have a controller anymore. So I write the checks and I'm the one who ships off all the information to get the profit and loss statement done by a third party provider that I hired because uh, there's no way I can do that myself. And uh, I have a general manager on disability now. So my assistant GM is now the general manager, but I am providing some words of wisdom for him because he's never been a GM before. And he's, he's frankly uh, a very strong front office manager who's now learning food and beverage sales and marketing and accounting. You have a lot going on, which we, we spoke about yesterday, and I find it very inspiring that you have the mental capacity to just, like, manage all of that. The yeah, well, don't, don't, tell, don't tell my daughters that I have any mental capacity. Um, but, yeah, so you have also have this blog as well, The Hotel Guru, and uh, you teach, you mentor. Um, I know that you said that you're uh, – women in leadership program was in San Diego. Is it only for San Diego people or if some of the people no, on the no, call? It's a global organization put together by uh, a woman named Clara Carter. Mm -hmm. And uh, she just said, Bob, would you be willing to mentor me through this? I am starting this organization. I, I said I'd be on the board. And so we had, we had a huge conference planned. Yeah. A March and it had to get canceled. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, now you I, I had I actually had our our company's thirtieth anniversary event 
was here at this hotel and was the last hospitality industry event in 2020 in San Diego. Is that RARCON? RARCON. R-A-R-C-O-N. RARCON. I'm sorry. I can't stop saying it. Okay. I'm sorry. I have to. It's it, it's always going to be RAR like the dinosaur. Um, <laughs> no, I saw that online. Actually, I wanted to attend and I thought it was canceled. I actually wanted to attend. I was going to fly down from Seattle uh, just to check it out. So, um a bummer and yeah so you but this is an annual event too so hopefully if everything if everything were to be back to normal next year it would go on again next year right uh no i sold the company to hostmark well right but so that if, could, I do, if i do rar con again i'd have to have a compelling reason like raising money for charity or something i i don't have i don't have a 30 i'm not gonna do a 31st anniversary because i, I basically sold that company so even though we yeah. need to process our checks here at our Hilton campus and our Fairfield in the suites. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to grow. You're over it. You're done. Anymore. Closing the chapter of that book. 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. Good one. I'm still, still going to work another three and a half years to get to 50 years in the business. That's the plan. And then, yeah. I'll, then I'm going to semi-retire. Well, what's the biggest thing that you learned you think working in hospitality all these years? Uh, well, you know, I started out with a, a service mindset. Yeah, I remember a guest saying to me, you don't need to, and of course this takes back to the days where people smoked. You know, I was uh, a restaurant manager with Hyatt Hotels and I kept on lighting people's cigarettes and cigars or I, I was just service oriented. I was a manager mm -hmm. of the restaurant, but I felt like if there was somebody in need of anything and I was walking the room, I had to provide service. So once I got that far, I knew for sure I was just in the service business forever. And I, I had thought about it before that, but once I got into that position, I never turned back. So, you know, starting as a dishwasher and going up into food and beverage management, I just liked it more and more. And then I realized that I liked more than the food service side. So I wanted to become a GM and I did at, at 25 years old. And uh, I loved that even more. And then uh, owning hotels was my wife's idea. She says, you know, why, why are you working for other people and making them money? Why don't we make some money? So. Uh, that's incredible. That's great. Twenty-five-year-old newer G uh, GM like that. Uh, you know, that's it, it's not. It's it's whether or not the hotel was successful. Being a GM at twenty-five. Let's talk about that. GM at twenty-five. Think about it. You know, the the first hotel I actually bought was uh, a, a, an old an old fart. And I say old fart. He's probably the same age I am now. But <laughs> he owned it, and he didn't know what he was doing because all he had was prostitutes and drug users. Oh no. Guests. You raised your rate. <laughs> I told him I'd buy the hotel. And uh, it was easy to, to fix that one up and be a GM. I, I was more than 25 at the time when I bought that, of course. But if I had been a GM at 25 of that hotel with the prostitutes and the drug users, that would not be very impressive. And when I raised the rate 50 bucks a night and they all protested, I told them that you can still stay. You just have to pay $50 a night more. And they all checked out. I didn't have to evict one of them. That's the, I talk about that all the time. Like, don't lower rate. Don't give it away because you're going to get the hookers and the drug dealers. <laughs> That's exactly what I say. <laughs> so if you had any advice to give those in hospitality right now, uh, I mean, the pandem pandemic or not pandemic related, what, what, what advice would you sure. give? Them? I actually have a simple piece because I just read, maybe three days ago, I read a, uh, a sad post from somebody in the hospitality industry who said, she was going to leave the industry because she had just been furloughed and she just had lost hope that this industry was going to uh, be for her. Uh, I would encourage you to not be discouraged now because there will be 
a new strong hospitality industry. It's not going to be that far from now. You just have to figure out a way to get through this year. It'll start picking up in Q1 of 2021. And if you're good, meaning if you have attitude, it's, you don't have to be brilliant. Right. Actually, that's what got me into the industry. I realized that the bosses that I had were not particularly bright. And we've now become more and that's more. That's the secret. No, we've become more and more educated. And people have gone to hotel school. And uh, people are uh, coming from other industries. We don't pay much initially, but the sky's the limit. There is no reason you can't make a good living in this industry. So I encourage you to stay with it because we will emerge even stronger. There's a huge pent-up demand for international and domestic travel that will really hit really strong in about 12 months. And by 18 months from now, we will be close to back to normal. That's not in the lifetime enough time to change careers. So don't don't get off the, uh, don't jump off the wagon. Not yet. That is great advice. Exactly. And one thing that I keep talking with my team about and just people in general in the hospitality business is this too shall pass. There's always seems to be something, whether it's the recession, whether it's COVID, whether it's, you know, flight changes and travel changes due to 9-11 or the, the increase of uh, supply in your market or whatever happens to be, there's always something right? You're going to come out of this stronger. You're going to learn a lot. You mentioned that you have six managers who are now doing all of the work of those line level employees. Well, they, the did, of, they did for 90 days. I brought the employees. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. But even in that time, yeah. the amount of knowledge that they gained. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It just makes them stronger um, and to be able to come out better. So the people who are furloughed right now, when they come back, are going to be able to really soak up that knowledge. And it, like you said, it doesn't take a lot. I moved from housekeeping to, I think, revenue manager in four years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible to do. And you learn as you go. And it's it's a great industry to move up in and learn and from. Uh, I guess uh, if I had one more thing that, that I would tie to that, it's yeah. uh, the art to science. This used to be hospitality as an art. And mm -hmm. with the advent of technology, it has become... Uh, art and science and so the learning curve is such that you can always constantly I mean constantly every day learn more and technology is taking us to higher levels we can serve our guests better and uh, everything will be back to normal so just hang in there for a little while longer a little while longer that's great advice I like that a lot um, well, I'm going to, again, open it one more time for questions. If there's no questions, I'm happy to wrap this up, uh, unless you have any parting thoughts. <laughs> no, I don't, unless you want me, if there's something you want me to say. No, no, not at all. Like, I don't know. I mean, this is for these guys. So, um, yeah, they gave me some questions ahead of time. But, yeah, if you guys have any questions, drop them in. Otherwise, I'm going to wrap it up. But I was, it was such a pleasure having you on here. I appreciate your time a lot. You're a very, very, very busy man. And um, your insight is so valuable. So thank you so much. I'm uh, happy to have done it. And uh, if anybody needs anything, I'm at uh, Roush at hotelguru.com. That's you. Or go to hotelguru.com. Everyone should do that anyway. So Of course. Everybody should read, uh, read my blogs. Yes. I will push it out to everyone who attended. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, or, or wherever you want. I should be easy to find. I'll, I'll pass that information out, everyone who attended, um, or everyone on the LinkedIn group that I created for this event. I'll pat, make sure that it's on there and goes out to everyone. 
All right. Thanks, Jennifer. Very thanks. cool. Well, thank you, everyone. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.